you find yourself wading through a crowd. Naruto and Bleach cosplays everywhere. You look up and you stumble upon the Nerd Mantle podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. If you didn't guess what we're talking about this week at all, it's Anime Boston, and we will be mentioning packs as well. With me are my Otako Tuesday boys, Ryan and Ben. What's going on, guys? Yo, I have that shirt, and I'm wearing it right now. Perfect day Yeah, for seriously? Tire Con worked out really well. Uh, yeah, so the first part of my Anime Boston notes was the year of good luck. Because everything just went right for us this year. But before we get sidetracked from the very beginning, um, this is kind of like a little bit of an anniversary for us, actually. It's been about a year since we've been starting to record and putting episodes out. And our first episode was on Anime Boston 2017. Uh, ben and I went back. This was my 10th year. And I know we brought Ryan back, who hasn't been there in a long time. So before we really even get into it, how was con for you guys? Oh yeah, been quite a while. It was fun. I had a great time. I think uh, honestly, it worked out really well all across the board. This really was like the luckiest year I've ever gone to any kind of event like that. Like an uncomfortable amount of luck, even. I mean, from <laughs> watching people waiting in line to having a door opened right in front of us, uh, that only happened after I left my cell phone on top of the car and nobody stole it which was pretty sick because I just got that phone and just took a bunch of cosplay pictures. Um, another thing I want to... We went to Wagamama. We did go to Wagamama. But before we get too into it, I want to mention one thing. <laughs> we, we also skipped the line. We also skipped the line at Wagamama because we had that good, good group of four. Um, I just want to apologize real quick about the way I sound right now. I am still suffering from post-con depression. I'm just kidding. I had the flu. But either way, wow, he's only kind of kidding. It's true. It's true. So we get there on Friday. It's a little bit late in the day. We all had to go to work first. Um, this is one of the first years I didn't get to take off the Friday. So it was a little strange for me to walk in at six o'clock at night. But the first thing we did was we walked right in to see the band flow. Um, I don't know if people are familiar with them already, but if you're not, they have done a ton of anime music and soundtracks. The most popular one being Fighting Dreamers from Naruto. And they were really good, actually. I thought they put on a very, very good performance. What did you guys think? I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. It was very um, heartwarming, almost, with how like many fans they have in America. Um the other thing that was really interesting was seeing them do all sorts of music. And the coolest thing for me was uh, I have never seen um, a band get encored before. And they came out back out and they played the Dragon Ball theme song, which was wicked cool. I'd like to mention before um, Ryan, when we were walking out and they we were getting ready to leave, we thought they were done. Um, they came out for the encore and the first thing they said was, do you guys know Dragon Ball? And as soon as they said that, I immediately got back into a seat and just stood there. And I just looked at all of you knowing that they were about to play head chala, like the best song. Again, man, it just worked out perfect. Like literally as they came out for the encore, like people right next to us had just moved and left. 
So we didn't even have to move. Instantly, as I came off the on-car, we literally just stepped right and sat down. Like, Yeah. Actually, do you guys want to talk about how you guys flowed with flow? <laughs> Dude, just we flowed. Luck, that was crazy. Like, leaving the dealer's room, just, just sitting there talking. Like, we had split up a little bit at that point. We were all kind of getting a feel for the con, walking around, getting the first night in. And Ben and I are walking out of the art room right into the entire flow entourage. Like literally just walking around us. I, I turned to Ben. I'm like, wait, is this flow? <laughs> the guy was like, no, shh, shh, shh. you're trying to like usher them out through the dealer's room. He's giving me like the, the thumb <laughs> across the neck. Shh, no, 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 no. <laughs> if you talk, you will die. I was like, oh. <laughs> like that's what I, it was. It was a really, really fun time. And everything just seemed to fall into place every time something came up. And every time we did things spontaneously, it just happened. It worked. We got into everything. Well, I just want to point out that had you guys screamed, oh, it's flow, you guys, it would have been like the president had arrived at Anime Boston. And that security guard would have been having nightmares about it even still, I imagine. Especially with Artist Alley, like, it's the biggest scene of art that you can really go to Anime Boston and see. I mean, not to mention buy a lot of, like, really cool posters and unique things, but... I mean, it's a really busy room. There's constantly like a thousand people in it. You're fighting your way through to look at cool art, hoping you can buy that last poster before the person to your right. I mean, Artist Alley for me is probably one of the best spots. I love checking out what people bring to the table and seeing you sometimes see animes through the eyes of another person as they don't just show a character drawing, but like they go for a complete vibe and feel that you might not get from the show originally. By far, Artist Alley is my favorite part of the entire con. Like, not only that, but no, that another reason it's packed is also because you kind of brought this up. You guys knew the little secret kind of in and out. Like, there was like a no line back entrance into the entire convention if you went through the dealers room, well, through Artist which Alley. ended up getting clogged up a little on the second day. Yeah, right through the Artist Alley. Sorry, but yeah, like I don't know. Everything worked out perfect. The Artist Alley to me is the absolute best. I love seeing everybody's take on everything. I just love seeing artwork. Yeah, I know that we, I mean, there's also the art gallery in the back too, where you can like look and make bids on stuff, which is really interesting. Um, ben, I know you're, you are an artist. You do your fair share of drawing, et cetera. Um, what did you think about this year's Artist Alley compared to last year's? I noticed there were a lot more um, artists that selling not like pre-made artwork, but willing to do um, like uh, custom artwork. Yeah. Commissions. And the one that caught my eye the most, and it's mostly because we saw our good, good boy taco on a wall um, from the adventure zone. People don't know uh, this girl. Uh, this is really bad. Cause I, didn't grab her business Actually, card. You, I believe but, uh, you did, and I may have it. So we'll put it in the show notes if we have if we have it. Okay. But she was doing, um, and this is why, like, I really like talking to her. Was um, she was doing commissions to draw your D and D character, and she wanted to hear your character story, which is really cool because it also allows her to kind of get some flavor for how the character is. So whether his stance or the way he holds himself or herself. And I thought it was really cool to be able to share my super nerd thing with a person who's an artist who 
loves anime and also wants to do share your super nerd thing with them. See, I found that also pretty interesting because when you just have somebody draw something for you, you're just describing like the characteristics, what they look like, things like that. And personality is something that you get from drawings, but you can't always tra- like translate with words. So to ha- think about somebody who wants to sit down, hear what your character sounds like, just to get the accurate depiction of them is actually really interesting. Ryan. Yeah, I think uh, one of the best things about oh, that entire... I was ask that entire... No, I, well, I mean, bringing that up, I just... Thinking about it, one of the biggest things in art, really, is expression and a character. Anybody's idea and anybody's take of a character heavily comes off of that character's personality and what they are, where they came from. Anything from facial expressions to just the smirk of a a charismatic character. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it it changes the entire thing. Well, the reason I was picking on you um, was... Because me and you made a really serious wall scroll purchase. Yeah, we did. And <laughs> so I'm going to just give a little small pre- like preface to the story. Um, the day started out terrible. It was Sunday. There were art pieces that we that Ryan had offered to buy, like the last one hanging up. Or there was a piece in the um, art exhibit that you know he had put a bid down on. And essentially, we were told to come get it at this time, but because there was a delay, we weren't able to get them for hours and hours later, but we weren't going to be there. So we had to go on a new quest to find art. And there there was one artist who was catching my eye kind of all weekend. I had wanted to make a purchase, but didn't pull the trigger. Um, her name is Danielle, and I believe her name the last name is Marciniak, and I'm probably mispronouncing that so don't hate me danielle but she's a tattoo artist and she makes really 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 incredible wall scrolls um how many did we buy seven i think we got three on the spot and four custom four that she's custom making that we still haven't even received yet that i'm extremely excited about that we should be getting any week now yeah we're definitely gonna have to put a picture of those up on the instagram um, but not only was her artwork really good, but she was able to tell us some of the inspirations behind some of the art. Uh, she got really personal with us and like spent the time and like when you're surrounded by thousands of people, that's not always easy to do to really make sure that we were happy with what we purchased. She worked on a little deal with us cause you know, we bought seven pieces from her and overall, like it was a great experience. I haven't had a more personal experience buying art or anything like that um at artist alley ever i'm not sure if that's just me but yeah she was really nice she was just she cared you could tell that she appreciated that we appreciated the artwork she she was willing she basically made a deal with us since we bought so many and really again appreciated the artwork that she kind of hooked us up and on top of that like being so open to custom make and and get some wall scrolls for us that she didn't really have, like she didn't have, and she didn't normally put it up as wall scrolls. So I just, everything about it, the artwork was really cool, really, really good designs. And she was just a very, really cool person, a really cool artist. So it was really nice to talk to her. 
Yeah, yo, uh, I missed out. Can I buy one from you guys? <laughs> I mean, I, I was just going to say, I have her business card in my hands right now, so I'm going to put her information in our show notes so we're not the only one who gets to experience her uh, really cool art. Oh, yeah, definitely. Shout out to her because uh, her artwork's amazing. So if you guys get a chance, definitely click on the link, like whatever we give you guys. Definitely try to check her out because – I'm going to put up her Facebook, her Instagram, and her um, Gmail. I'm oh, going yeah, to ask her about the Gmail part, but definitely going to put up her Instagram and Facebook so people can take a look. Um, she also has her own website, so I'll put that up instead of the email. So uh, one thing that I, I noticed this year with Artist Alley is I don't know if Overwatch is supposed to be like an, an anime thing, but Overwatch seems to be really big at Anime Boston for some reason and all the Artist Alley stuff. You know, so it was like League of Legends and stuff as well. I think that it's uh, a lot of games, I guess, kind of cross that threshold of anime and the characters are all very animated comic kind of style art. Yeah, it's not even just that either. Um, it's also about the flavor of the month, animes or games, things like that. Things that people know are most likely going to sell. Because they are there to make money as well as, you know, express their art and whatever, what have you. But at the end of the day, you know, they're paying for that booth spot and they need to make some sales. So like, when you go to Artist Alley or something similar, you're always going to see some of your mainstream classics. You'll always find like a Zelda artwork. You'll always find now at this point, you'll probably always find Overwatch or League of Legends. But finding what people can do with that classic or that mainstream um, piece of art or character is really what makes people stand out amongst each other. I think, I think my favorite part of that is really just like their take on it. Like, again, like everybody has kind of their own art style. So seeing somebody else's flavor, their style of art over something that you already have a nostalgic and a really strong point of view on or, or a strong image in your head is it's always really cool to see, and it's it's always inspirational. I, like there was some really really nice wall scrolls there of uh, Samurai Champloo that uh, really cool. Oh, I, I I remember the ones that you pointed out. We lost you quite a bit in the mm-hmm. artist alley because you just see a piece of art and just flutter over there like the biggest butterfly I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I disappeared a few times there in that convention on you guys. The auction, dude. That auction had you entranced. Yeah, man, that was a really cool painting. The um, koi fish painting was cool. It was the wolf you were looking at, right, Ryan? Uh, between the yeah, the wolf, the 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 night wolf, like the dark with the moon. It was just, it was really cool. And like the way they had done it, the one in the artist, like the actual auction for the bid was a uh, like on a canvas painting. It's it just the whole thing was just. It really had my eye. I really really liked that piece. I'm kind of bummed I didn't get it, but in the end, you know. It all worked out really well. I mean, we ended up getting, meeting somebody else who had some incredible artwork. Absolutely. So I'm going to take us away from Artist Alley just a little bit. But before we go, one more shout out to all the people who spoke with us in Artist Alley about their drawings um, and all of their artwork. Another shout out to Danielle. Your art's great. What I really want to talk about for a little while is the panels that we got to go to. Um, I went to Anime Hell which I've never been to before. And it's their like eighth or ninth year there. So it's just one of those things where like something I know I wanted to see would always contrast with it. 
but I am so happy that I walked through those panel room doors. Anime Hell is a journey through some of the worst animes, the most cringeworthy pieces of animation and commercials you have ever seen in your life. Um, you guys got into that, right? Oh, that was hysterical. It was a great time. Real quick about that. We're going to bring back the luck thing again. We were waiting for your bu- uh, your buddy. Your buddy was already in there. Then I went off to find Ryan. You were already in there. And when I walked over, it was full. I walked away for two seconds. Two people walked out. So I booked it in there. <laughs> like, we constantly got lucky with everything. That was, yeah, like, honestly, that again, that was me coming from the artist alley checking because i really it was like the end of the night it was one towards the end of the night and i needed to check to see if my bid was going to be the last one on this piece of art that i really wanted and as i was walking out zach didn't even see me and i saw him looking from the top rail down and, and so i knew exactly where i had to go and that was right when he got into the anime hell so like i literally was in two minutes behind you guys well so i wanted to since we're talking about this panel there was an anime that they were talking about. It's called UFO Warrior um, D Alpha Alphalon, I believe it's called. And basically, it's an anime about a football player who just one day finds out that he has powers. And essentially, um, he is like a football player who has the power of telepathic jets. And he joins them together to make a mech that grows, you know, that grows in size. And then when he gets inside of it, he grows in size to fit the mech. Yo, that that panel was absolutely just bonkers. The one that cracked me up the most was um, the one where <laughs> the cars, there is like this racing car and he's like, Oh, you can see the good car. It's all like white and pretty. And he's like, oh, look, that's the bad car. And it just looks completely evil. And all of a sudden, the bad car, while it's driving, its wheels turn sideways and it's still going forward, no problem. And tries to stop the good guys. And there was also this other, <laughs> there was this other one that um, basically had um, these four people that were making these mechs combined and every time they, they did explode. it they would they would jump off a, yeah they would jump off the cliff and they would just fucking explode and the next time they're like oh we're gonna get it this time we finally calibrated it blah 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 and then there's this epic moment while one of their people that's been missing like joins up like oh my god we're gonna do it and then it explodes again i'd also like to point out that with that anime i was looking for it like wicked hard today so i could put the name in um they also at one point if it's not this anime, it was a different one, but there's one where they get on like razor scooters and they ride the razor scooters down hallways into their mechs, which I thought was fantastic. That's, that's, what, that's what we're talking about. Is it the same anime? Yeah, it's the same one. Oh, that's good. the one where they go off the cliff and blow up. Oh, good. Oh, good. Um, I just, we also, what was that commercial that we saw? The really long, insane commercial that was like a movie. Oh, with the, with the robot dude? Oh, yeah. So it was about like a robot. It's about this robot who works at a company. It's from an anime. I don't remember what it is, but like he like fell off the, the face of the earth so hard that they just made like a commercial with him in it. I don't know why. Essentially, one way or another, though, they're just talking about how great he is and like how much of like an inspiration he is to all of them. And then at the end, you just see him walking out, like basically either retiring or getting fired. 
Oh, if I remember correctly, that was the one with the, basically it's like the one guy at work who like had the for whatever reason they have like a hero, like a just a superhero robot guy like at work who works there. Everybody loves and the guy's retiring and the guy's super bummed out that he's leaving. And at the very end, like the the guy's like gives him like that look of approval, like, you know, I'll miss you, buddy. And, like the guy's like the tears in his eyes is like <laughs> Oh man! The hero, the hero, like shoots his arm off. Remember, like the rocket arm comes over and like, like shakes hands with the guy before. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Zach, I don't know if you got this one and wrote it down, but this is the one that absolutely broke me in that panel. Do you remember the one with like the giant monsters attacking the city, and all these dudes are inside the house, and they're like, "All right, it's time to do it," and like they're all sitting in chairs. None of them ever move. They're all sitting in chairs. The chairs are like shifting all around the house, open up secret doors and like panels open with electronics on them. And like one dude's on the, f- <laughs> the toilet and it like shoots him into the sky while he's on the toilet. And he's emotionless the whole time. One guy gets dropped through an elevator and then it all reverses and shuts. And then they do it again. And then the monster just destroys, pretty much destroys the city and walks away. And they're like, all right, we did it. Yeah, so I'm about to take two seconds to look that up um, while we're recording because everyone needs to watch this transformation sequence. The thing about it that broke me was it was uncomfortably long. Like, like it wasn't like it wasn't like the Power Rangers fusing up their Megazord. It was like the Power Rangers fused up their Megazord while taking a nap and making you watch them sleep. Everything that they were doing during the transformation was getting reversed, backtracking to the start, doing nothing, and then, like, every single time the process would start over and go, like, one step further, and then they started going backwards with it, and, like, the house kept going back down into the ground. By the time they was, like, over, and then literally they were just too late. Like, they never even transformed by the time they think it already, like, destroyed the city and moved on. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good panel i know for a fact that i'll be returning to that one next year um did you guys actually go to any panels on your own when we had split up for that little while i don't think so i I, you know again just like this podcast is probably just like how the con's gonna go i'm just gonna randomly get lost in artist alley every now and then like that's where i think i just kept disappearing to so the one thing i've been having a problem with a lot of conventions lately as they grow in popularity the lines are getting ridiculous like getting into a getting into a panel sometimes means standing outside for an hour or more before the panel even starts which can be a little tough because sometimes you want to see friends and whatever um i thought this year that the line management and like the seat management was like pretty solid i really didn't think we had to wait too long. We were also very lucky. This is the year of the of, of luck for us. So if it could be like this every year, that'd be great. Um, a couple other little things that I know we did was we went to a, a panel late on Saturday night that was discussing the philosophy and history of weird internet music subgenres, um, including vaporwave, future funk, chiptune, low and like lo-fi hip hop. He had like a lot of video clips and he was trying to break down why music, even though it has nothing to do with one thing, might be associated with another. Yeah, he was really trying to break down how video game and and Eastern 
mostly Eastern Asian influences were breaking more into pop culture and these music genres kind of as time goes on, like all through the 90s and up till now, it's just become more and more prevalent. And he was trying to find a way to to really break down and understand why and how that all happened. Just like that song you guys showed me the other night. Oh, God. Shout out to uh, Kill Jill. Great song. That is a really good example of crossover nerd culture actually Hatsune, Hatsune Miku is slaying the rap game just just throwing that out there <laughs> what is, what is the rap game that's almost almost uncomfortable it's, it's it's awesome though great song if you haven't heard it it's just to get off track for a second uh it's a like rap song with big boy from outcast and killer mike and they use a sample of Hatsune Miku's, one of her performances. Um, Hatsune Miku is a vocaloid, which is like a big hologram that you go and see like you would go to see any other concert. And they have like full performances. Uh, they're not as popular as they used to be, but for a while they were like absolutely massive. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. That, that, that was really honestly one of my favorite panels that we went to. We went to some pretty fun panels. We went to the trivia panel as well. Well, not a trivia panel, but more of like a a group uh, debate on who was the favorites between different genres and characters and, and animes and stuff like that. Yeah, it was really good, too, because so that panel basically was they had a bunch of different questions prepared. Like um, one of them was like basically the best couple was it is it is it Iron Man and Captain America or Aaron and Levi? And they would ask the room to vote. And before the vote even took place, everybody could put their answers in on a, like a, a little app, basically. And at the end, they could see if you did it right or not. So it was really funny to see, one, what people thought, like, by majority. But then you had to have somebody defend your side. So people were jumping up and like, this cat is the most adorable because this reason, et cetera, et cetera. And it was a really, really good panel that I've never also have never been to before. We literally just walked in because we felt bored and we wanted to try and fill in some time. We wanted to like take a break. Not only that, but we got the most adorable keychain prizes. I just want to throw that out there. Well, well, hold on, hold on. First off, the reason we got that, again, the luck. And this is partly due to Ryan because Ryan opened his mouth. So this kid defends the reason why this thing's awesome. Uh, I think it was Dragon Ball Z. I think we were talking about the difference. It was like Frieza and a, a Cell, I think it was. Um, oh, no, it was Crunchyroll or um, what's the other one? Funimation. Funimation. And this guy defends uh, Crunchyroll. No, Funimation. I'm, I'm My whole thing's confused right now. He defends Funimation, and we're all like, yeah. we're like, Ryan just goes, Oh yeah, just starts clapping them on like we all joined in, and then the woman back, that was there back corner with the big boy crew. And so she gave us prizes because she thought we, we were with him. <laughs> Threw him a high five, my man. <laughs> Next thing you know, we're all getting prizes. I also just want to point out how funny that lady was. Uh-oh, the lady running the funny. panel was absolutely great. Um, ruthless. She, she was ruthless. ruthless. Also, she usually gets involved with um, Anime Unscripted, which is my favorite anime game show that they have. But unfortunately, we missed it this year. I I would also like to point out 
that the finale, the way that whole trivia show ended, oh my that god, whole debate, <laughs> ended up in a mother daughter <laughs> a mother daughter brawl. Uh, what was the final question? It came down. One was like, "What are your favorite Pokemon?" And then the last one was between the mom and the daughters. Anybody remember what that question was? So the question uh, was, um, it was something to do with like, who's your favorite superhero? I believe because the mom chose like Wonder Woman because you know she's like a strong woman, really good example of what of like whatever something like that. And then her daughter, that's right, her daughter that's right. gets instantly deflated. She looks over at the host, and the host comes over. To her, she goes, "What's wrong?" She's like, "She goes, my mom always wins, but she was too shy to say it to the to everybody on the microphone." So the host goes, "She said she doesn't want to try because her mom always wins." But that was the day where she was the winner. Sure <laughs> it the so crowd fun. cheered this little girl on. Man, I swear to God, made this like kid's life. And then on top of that, she got to use it. She got a sweet prize. Yeah, it was cool. It was a really cool event. The woman that was running it did an amazing job. She did a really good job of keeping it not only entertaining, but like on track and moving along. Yeah. And that's hard to do when you're dealing with like a bunch of people in a room and you, you have to try and get opinions from them and also, you know, keep the conversation moving. I mean, we struggle with that here all the time. So I can't imagine doing with that with like a thousand people. Oh, that'd be tough. That'd be real tough. Oh, not, not to mention the tiebreakers, having to go out and pull in the random people oh from God, the hall. Yeah. And oh, my God. Just, she, <laughs> she just go out and grab somebody from the hallway. She's like, hey, I need your help real quick. And she put her on, put this little, this woman on stage in front of everybody goes, all right, who's better? We need your help. Freezer or cell. And, then, and, and then disappointed like, so many people. Like something along the lines of like, oh, no pressure. Only half of the room is going to hate you. Right. With no yeah. context. She didn't even get to listen to either of the arguments for either character from the crowd. So we should find out what that one was called. I, I want to go to that one again next year. That one was a lot of fun. I will definitely say. Um, another thing I just want to throw in there. The panel that we went to about music was called The Aesthetic, Vaporwave, Funk, Future, and Beyond. In case anyone wants to do it next year, I checked the Anime Boston forums. The guy from the forums is actually um, one of the people involved in there is the person who actually did the panel. So he's open for questions and things like that. You can just go on to the Anime Boston panels section, and it's one of the first ones on there. I think it's also he's doing like an ongoing um... – like trying to add more st- information to uh, the actual panel. And because I think he, this is a kind of like a thing he's discovering and wants to dive deeper in. So I think it's also like a collaborative thing. If you talk to him on the forums and stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. No, he had a whole thesis behind the entire thing. He was really, uh, he was doing an entire uh, thing on it. He I really to admit, wants to learn. And I, I gotta admit that guy, very calm under pressure. Like there was a lot of stuff going wrong oh, and he was just like, he, he just kept going anyways. It was really. I mean, I don't think his. I mean, very little technical difficulties. I know, but, but he was still I, calm I about it. That's the thing that I thought one, was like. Yeah, at the one point where all of his bubbles went blank on his on his topics, and he was like, "Wow, that doesn't look good." And then like, it just made a yeah. joke out of it. Well, it took him like ten seconds, and he was back into it, moving, and just never even brought it back up. Very well played, sir. Yeah, very well done. Um, 
So another thing that we got to do, which this was one of the highlights of my weekend. Ben, can you guess what it is? I can't. The Adventure Zone photo shoot, baby. Oh, really? Oh, dude, it was so good. There was tacos and Merle's and Magnus Burnside's everywhere. There was also some Barry Blue Jeans. There was, and some Loops. Oh, and the Raven was there. There was a lot. Really there was also a Kravitz. I got to say, yep. they were very well represented. For something that I personally have not gone into or heard any, you know, really listened to any. You're so yet. lucky you don't have Twitter right I, now because it would be floating I, with anger. <laughs> I'm sure. But I mean, again, I mean, it's only going to make me eventually become a fan. So, Ryan, let's, but, let's just put this in perspective real quick. So last year, we didn't see any Adventure Zone stuff. We saw like a couple this year. There were so many. There were so oh, the many. Crowd was it's great. spreading I like a plague. Know, yeah, but it it's cool. a really good one, too, because the thing I like about the idea of, like, the photo meetups, they put them on the schedule now, which is really cool. It used to be word of mouth. Like, you'd have to find out from somebody in similar cosplay, hey, like, did you happen to hear about a photo shoot? Is there one? That kind of thing. But now they're putting them on the schedule, which is also driving cosplay and, like, cosplay community. Like, you have all these people who are getting together because they like the same thing. And then they're not only doing that, but they're taking sick pictures with each other. Like the one person that killed me, I got her. I, I didn't get her name. I wish I did. Um, she did a taco cosplay and she was right center front. Uh, if you look at the pictures, uh, her legs are different in like every picture. Like she struck a different pose and it was always something ridiculous. Just like taco. I, just like taco. <laughs> she, was, she was good out here. You know, that's rare. Um, but in general, like it was just a well done photo shoot. They don't all go that well. Um, how about the, the, um, the taco that handed the, uh, uh, Angus McDonald, the, the badges, the deputy badges. That yep, was hilarious. There was that also the two Merles, they cast a zone of, oh, which is great. Also, um, I don't know if, if we posted all the pictures yet, but almost every single like group that went on did a dab as their last picture. <laughs> I didn't post the dab pictures, but now that we're bringing it up, I'll have to because I did take about forty to fifty pictures in that ten minute span. Yeah, there was a. <laughs> I have like forty pictures on my phone. I guess since yeah, we, uh, I guess since we brought up you know all these photos and and the meetup for for that, I guess we should go into the cool cosplays we got to see. Because there was a lot of really cool cosplays walking around. Yeah, there was. And I did a couple of really cool meetups too, which I finally got to see Zach's waifu. So it was pretty exciting. It was pretty exciting. From Persona 5. Yeah, that was rough. rough, That was a rough coming to terms with knowing you'll never be good enough. But um, as that's the thing with most waifus. So I just want to throw out there that this year, once again, like like every year, Anime Boston, no slouch when it comes to cosplays. There is so much depth to the talent pool that you can find somebody doing an amateur cosplay that manages to pull it off just as well as somebody getting very intense. Um, we saw a couple really good ones. Ryan, we got to see Kane from League of Legends. Oh, the 
I mean, we got to see both canes. We got to see WWE cane and we got oh, to see. I forgot about some cane. dude walking around his cane. Yeah, he was a big dude. Too. Humongous. That's what I'm saying. We got to see a lot of stuff there. I mean, let's. I'm going to throw a quick shout out here. I'm going to throw a shout out and a uh, name drop to one of a to a friend we made at the con just because of his cosplay walking around. Uh, Yannick Sori, who again coming back to video games. With the sweet PUBG setup going on between the pan and the spandex, this guy was so funny, guys. Again, we got to meet a cool guy that we got to become friends with, hang out, watch around the dealer room with us for a while, watch around artist eyes, you know, talk to us about everything from from everything from PUBG to to anime and streaming really he's an, again a streamer so it's somebody's name that I'll, I'll make sure we post up in his uh stream information yeah as well. he was a really was- cool dude i accidentally bumped into you guys when you're having a conversation and then he was hanging out with us and um found out that he's a huge cowboy bebop fan which was cool yeah yeah that's uh, speaking of which the you cowboy know bebop- where we met him actually was, where's that that really cool spot where zach picked up his oh so i his picked belt. up a strap basically yeah, it's, a strap. Belt. it's for like sword it's for a sword but i use it for my larp sword which is great because i was carrying it around and as i'm walking by the guy walks out of the leatherworking stand and he goes oh boy i have something for you he slides it onto the sword and then he I, you know i put it on i look at him and i go how much is this and he goes 40 dollars instantly handed put the money in his hands i just that was it i just thought of another lucky moment ryan remember when we were walking around with him and um you look at him you go I feel like we met, and then we both realized Zach said sweet mustache to him on Friday night. <laughs> oh, my God. That was Again, him. Yeah, dude, it was the same person. Like, he was dressed. All right, so Friday night. Again, Yannick is dressed up to the nines in this sweet suit. He's got his he's got this mustache all oiled up and combed, and he's got this sweet curly cue going on and, like, these little points. And Zach, we were walking through by him, and Zach turns and goes, "Hey man, mustache, mustache game on point." He's like, "Thanks, bro." Like next day, here he is in this PUBG costume and everything. Completely looks like a different person, running around in spandex and a hat with chicken, chicken, win- you know, with a winter chicken dinner on his shirt and everything. We're cracking up, and I look at him. I turn and look at the mustache, and I'm like, "Wait." <laughs> this land looks really familiar it's hard to forget a man and oh. his incredible mustache what can i say it was funny it worked out really cool you know again another shout because he was a really cool guy and uh had some serious personality so yeah ryan's definitely i would definitely have, check out we'll his definitely stream. put him in the show notes we should send him a message and let him know that we talked about his mustache for a solid three minutes <laughs> i he might he might i may or may not be messaging right now about it so, oh, oh, so oh, real well. quick uh i want to mention this just so people don't do it because this happened at pax east as well he got his pan confiscated don't bring a cast iron pan to a convention it will be taken away because it is metal and it can hurt somebody yeah especially like ben and i know somebody who makes a lot of really interesting lap weapons um shout out to doom forge designs it's our buddy Bren's. Knowing him, he would be the kind of person who'd be able to come up with a offer version of a pan for you. So if you need something like that, let us know. We have a connect. We have somebody who makes incredible pieces and stuff like that. Um, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but you know, bringing a pan to a convention, not the best idea. 
not always the best. <laughs> just the whole peeking around corners and diving to floors. I mean, he was committed. It was sweet. Yeah, it was. It was really awesome. Um, since we we met him in the dealer's room, it definitely um, is one of those things where, like, you know, we could have ran into him once, similar, similarly to how we did it on Friday, and never had seen him again, which is why I love oh, so conventions, like, like the community vibe you get from just being able to talk to somebody about their costume or, like, anything like that um, is really good. We actually, when we were talking to, uh, we mentioned Kane very quickly uh, from League of Legends when we were discussing the guy's cosplay, which is at, at Obsidian Cosplay on Instagram. Put that on the show notes. He was telling us how he had, like, used magnets and pins and EVA foam and a lot of different techniques to make it so he could take his armor off without having to worry about it breaking but also make it extremely comfortable, which, uh, you know, when you're carrying around a big detailed, like cosplay weapon, stuff like that, comfort is key. And not only that, but I mean, he nailed the details. He looked incredible. The paint job on that was so incredible from a distance. I thought it was latex. Yeah, man. And it was just EVA foam, which is, which stands to even show the craftsmanship even more. Um, the other cosplay that I met that I mentioned, I did tag a couple on Instagram. So if anyone happens to recognize them, let us know. Um, Pandorama nineteen eighty nine did a really really well done Sashomaru, from the sword like to the scaling of everything that she was wearing, uh, the makeup for Sashomaru, like everything was on point. Very um, on point. Like it looked exactly like the character. Yeah, like it was incredible. It was very, very well done. And um, I, we just like to point out, you know, good credit where credit is due. These are people who stopped and like spoke with us. Um, and for us, or at least for me, that made my whole convention was connecting with people in a way that I haven't been able to do before. Like the podcast has really made it so that we can go out there and add another layer of passion and fun to the things that we do when we do them. What else? Uh, what else did we do? There's a lot. Um, of... I mean, we didn't do too much else from there. The one thing I figure while we're at it, um, while we talk about it or talking about it, is uh, I bought an EVA, an Eva model kit from Evangelion, which was really cool, and I bought a Assassin of Black from the new Fate series, and that was a really well done um, figurine. I was I was surprised for what I paid for it. I don't even know if I got anything this year. I don't remember, honestly. Uh, I got some. I got some pretty cool figurines for uh, my brother of Unit Two and Oscar. Uh, so that was pretty cool. He was pretty excited about. Yeah, that. that's very cool. Oscar's also one of my favorites. I have a couple of figures of hers, and uh, now that I have this model put together, at some point, it kind of brings it off full circle. I'm actually really happy now that I think about it. I got. Unfortunately, I paid way too much money for it, but. Um, I finally got the two Link Amiibos I've been missing, which was the Ocarina of Time with the Ocarina, and I got the Twilight Princess one. The only one I'm still having trouble finding is the um, Skyward Sword one, and then I'll have all of them. Well, it's actually funny that you mentioned that because I did just post that picture uh, of Link today that you sent me to our Instagram. Ben has been doing something that I think is amazing where he's taking amiibos and he's putting them in real life places, but making them look like they belong. 
And I'm hoping that we see more of that as time goes on. Uh, we had a Shovel Knight one from the winter. He was trying to unbury us and save us from the snow, which was really clever on Ben's part. Well, I was being miserable and shoveling soil all day, so I made him help me. So before we start talking about packs a little bit, um, I just want to ask you guys, what's some of the animes that you guys have been watching lately? I also, before we move on, um, because this is more anime related, because this is our first year anniversary, I bought uh, my favorite anime from uh, last year's Anime Boston, the full series, and I've yet to open it. And I thought it'd be a good idea to, you know, do a giveaway. Um, hmm. I wanted to do basically, you know, like our social media, send us a message showing that you did so, and then we'll select someone from there. Um, Chrono Crusade is the anime. I know Ryan loves this anime as well. I'm uh, so trying to get oh, a couple episodes. I really, yeah, that's another thing. I really, I'm going to start looking online just for wall scroll of that, just because, oh, absolute amazing anime. Absolutely amazing. Favorite all time. If for a quick summary of it, too, for people who don't know what it is, um, it's kind of like this world where demons exist and there are exorcists that try to kill them. And basically, in this story, you have this character who is an exorcist and she has a very curious relationship with a devil and that devil is her partner and they help each other find and kill demons um the story is really good uh, i really suggest you watch it and if you want to get the cd uh from me just enter the giveaway so what we'll do is we'll talk about it amongst ourselves figure out exactly how we want the rules and stuff to work um, we're probably, I'm, I'd say it's safe to say we're going to open it up to Twitter and Instagram. So keep an eye out on there. We'll put some contest rules up with the, also with a picture of the actual anime itself. So do we want to move on to packs for like 10 minutes? Uh, before we do actually, Ryan, what's, I want to just finish up with some of the animes that we've been watching recently. Wow. All right. So animes, I mean, uh, be the beginning, Fantastic. which was awesome absolutely awesome i love that everything from everything from the art style to how like the i think again the best part of it was not even just the art style but it had a really good feel to it a great action anime and by the end of it really i mean it, it could have stood alone just as that one series i'm hoping they come up with more but it you know it, I think it wouldn't leave you hanging season it's definitely I hope so, but man, it, like again, but that's that's just it was really well done. They could have left it off in one if season. If you've watched it before, tell us who your favorite character is because I think most of us are in agreement here that Keith is just a really cool character. Oh yeah, I love Keith. He's probably my oh, favorite definitely. character. Um, he gives me that that L vibe from Death Note. Like he's that almost like he's borderline crazy. He's not as crazy as L is by any means, but. He is in his own way, and he the way he pieces things together is very interesting. Um, one thing I love about Keith, and I'm not going to break down his whole character for you, but he basically hasn't been around for a while. And because of that, he's not used to everything being digital displays. So he draws on them like they're whiteboards. So funny. And I put like 100 circles on a TV, and it's just – it's fantastic. Um an anime that I know we've all watched, Fate. 
Oh, definitely. Fate was Fate Apocrypha was season two did not disappoint. Season two really uh it went for the fences, so to speak. They do the anime, like the action, the fights, everything they did in that second season was yeah. just nonstop. Really just it was cool. It was the funniest part was I remember when I when it first popped up, I was super excited. I told you guys I kinda waited. Next thing I know, I'm, and I mean, I usually fly ahead on everything. I just binge watch stuff. So <laughs> the next thing you know, Ben's like, have you guys seen this yet? Did you watch the last fight yet? Did you watch the last <laughs> yeah, fight? I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God, no. And at the same time, I'm like, at the same time, Ben's like, have you seen it yet? I'm like, no, dude, I have two episodes. Left. I fell asleep. He's like, watch it. Like, so intense. Oh, I watch mean, it. All, all I'm going to say is I'm not going to say between who or what, but there is one fight that gets so epic that they literally had to change the art style and everything for the show just for that fight. And it was absolutely sick. I have to say real quick is um, the thing that I enjoyed the most about this fate series. I think out of all of them, it had the best story. Oh, definitely. I'd say, I'd say the story flowed together really seamlessly in this one. I think there was uh, one other one I could definitely, you know, I, I could at least bring up as far as storyline, just because of, of the whole Archer was incredible. I mean, that whole thing was insane. But I think that the anime was extremely well done. The storyline was really cool, and it was great to see really double the amount of heroes you normally would, which is cool because that's really what you want to see is all the mythos and all the the legendary people that they put into the show and all the cool fights that you'd never get to see. Yeah, exactly. And actually, since you mentioned the uh, animation style changing, another anime that I've seen in the past, and every year I usually buy an anime series, and I try and watch it. Like I, I basically go in, try and get a $30 series or less, and see how good it is. And this is actually the first year where I didn't buy one. Um, but one that I bought a couple years ago was called Tawa no Kwan. It's a six- for like 45 minute episodes they're they're some of them are about an hour uh it's six episodes and the fight scenes in this anime are just incredible they're so well done um the storyline is good it's short sweet but still packs a really good punch uh, they left it off to a point where you almost decide the end of it but they could have done another season they never did so it's essentially 12 episodes but the other anime that I've been watching, which Ben wanted to watch, you had brought it up. Children of the Whales is a Netflix original that I got into recently. And I'm almost done with it now, but I found it to be a really pleasant experience. The storyline's good. The characters are drawn well. It gives me that Studio Ghibli vibe in the sense of where there's a lot of really do well done pastel backgrounds and things like that. So you have your upfront animation, but then in the background, a very heavy and like pastel-y vibe, which makes the world and the sky have a lot of depth. Um, I haven't finished it yet, so I don't know what my official review on it is, but so far it's been really, really incredible. Uh, so I want to mention one anime that I just started. I'm only one episode in. It's called Katsugeki Token Rambu. And, um, my goodness, that's a mouthful. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's basically takes place in, um, I forget the actual era, but basically medieval Japan, so samurais. And there are these two armies. One's called the Time Renegade Army, um, 
and I haven't watched enough yet to memorize it yet, but then there's the bad guys. Uh, basically, there's this group of really powerful samurais that travel through time, stopping this other group that also travels through time to cause events to change in their favor. And like, it's the fight scenes are absolutely incredible. Like the first episode is just super action packed. And it's got like that, like fate type of um, animation style where everything's very fluid and clean. That's cool. And all the characters have like this really unique identity. There's actually um, in the first episode, you meet the rival of one of the main characters and they work together, but they hate each other because one guy uses guns, which are kind of like a new thing in in, in that type of era of Japan. And he's like, guns are just so much better than swords. Why would you even use a sword? The guy's like, well, fight me then. I'll show you why. That's pretty cool. That's a good, it's a good hook. First episode. I like that. Sounds cool. Yeah, and that touches on some real history, too. That was a big deal in feudal Japan. Um, traditional warrior ways being fought with lead and steel now, you know? Yeah, well, that see how far that came. <laughs> I mean, we have seen the last samurai. Um, Tom's saying Tom Cruise. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of, since we brought it up, I, I would like to throw out there uh, a couple of animes. And again, shout out to even Netflix, because Netflix has some really cool originals coming out. Um, even if you want to say Western type art animes as well, like Castlevania and stuff. But something I started watching was Jirara. I know it's already a pretty popular anime. We've got a few episodes in now. I kind of like where it's going. It's kind of slice of life, but it's got action. It's kind of got like a spooky vibe. It's got some uh, paranormal stuff going on. It's pretty cool. I like that. And one other mention I'd like to really throw out there again for Netflix original is this anime uh, Sword Guy. Sword Guy the Animation, which is based in a world where weapons, like legendary weapons, basically once they've killed so many people or they've done so much fighting in combat, kind of take over, they become alive. The weapon possesses its own identity and has its own own thoughts and basically thirst for blood. And all these weapons take over these people and they become like chrysalises and they eventually turn them like they themselves become a demon form of the weapon. And it's pretty cool. It's a really cool anime. A lot of good fights. The only thing, the only criticism I have at the moment, I guess is kind of two, I shouldn't say the only one, but the two I have, the two gripes are I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of 3d animation in animes. And this one tends to, as soon as they go to those demon forms, switch over to like a 3d style animation for the fight, which kind of threw me off a little bit. The storyline was really good enough to to really hold me to it, though, and, and finish out the series, or at least the the season. And it kind of leaves you on a little bit of a, uh, I say a little bit, but like a, a Mount Everest cliffhanger. <laughs> but it's definitely good. It's definitely worth a watch, and I would definitely uh, check that one out. So something that you hear from con to con, and this is the most iconic sounding version of this is called the PAX Pox, which is when you go to PAX or when you go to a convention, you're most likely getting sick because, you know, there's 20,000 people there. It's the middle of the winter, it, or at least that's how it felt. Um, we were very lucky to travel with ground zero <laughs> of the PAX Pox. Uh, <laughs> so, so what that means is Ryan was so sick on the Saturday that we went to PAX that he was able to sleep in the Battleground Games tables of the uh, tabletop section 
Battleground Games, of course, is our local game store. It's actually just a couple minutes down the road from most of us. Um, and yeah, I've been going there like my whole life. It's great. Yeah, me too. Definitely and I just, shout out to Battlegrounds as well. Yeah, shout out to Battleground Games because they took care of our sick boy while me and Ben went around and got to try out games. And um, yeah, up. Derek, I love you. I mean, you were dead. Like you were dead that day. But have you have oh, you ever was... been to a PAX? I no, that was How my was first PAX. I was kind of <laughs> I like here we go off of our great, you know, our great uh anime Boston adventure where everything lined up perfect to work working really hard that week into a into Friday night, getting home and being like, Oh, my throat's kinda of sore, a little worried, don't want to be sick for tomorrow, better take care of myself for the night. Wake up with the room spinning on me. Oh it's like oh an boy. anime opening. It's like there was a sea of people, but then everything went black, and then the intro cuts in. Yeah, and then you see Ryan on the toilet being <laughs> thrown around the house five or six different times as the monster destroys the city. Oh my god! <laughs> but enough about the poo cannon. Oh. Um, so I was there Friday, by the way. Oh yeah, you got to go to the couch up panel on Wicked Jealous. Yeah, you did. Uh, you also got to do some cool stuff. I, you know, you got to do some stuff that I unfortunately didn't get to do thanks to nausea and you know, <laughs> crippling. <laughs> there was oh, one man. point where, where like, <laughs> me and Jack were going to go outside real quick, and we come back, and Ryan's gone. And we're like, where the let, hell is he? Let me, we're asking our buddy DJ. Let me preface this freaking- As I know they're going outside. <laughs> I am attempting. I see. I see a seat, and I am desperately trying to get to this seat. Desperately trying to get there to sit down. And Zach, Zach's like, "Wait, wait! I need something on my bag." And I'm like, "I all my at this point, my room, my whole world is falling apart and spinning on me, and I'm staring at this seat. Like, please, please let me get to this seat." And as he gets whatever he needed out of his bag, our other friend sits down there, like, "Ah, oh. like, please, man." That's it. I was like, oh, my world Yeah, and then collapsed. he looks up at us and goes, well, I don't know where he went. All right. So enough about Ryan's travesties at the, at the convention. So PAX this year was a week after Anime Boston, and I'm so happy that they didn't line up. I, I hate when they line up together because it's so hard to choose between the two. But we got to try some cool games, talk to some developers on some other really cool stuff, and – um on top of that, like network and really connect with these people. So because I was there Friday, I'll just talk about the one thing that I got to do that the boys didn't get to do. Um, so two things happened. Um, I don't know if you guys know what 7C is. 7C is a tabletop role-playing game that is basically takes place in uh, like 17, 1800s Europe and there's pirates and all this other things. And I got to meet the creator. Uh, his name is John Wick. I got to ask him a few questions, clarification of some rules. And in general, he was just a really nice guy. And one really cool thing was, and I'm sure he says this to all people who are like, yo, dude, you're awesome. Thank you. Unless yeah. I mean, that's a different story. But I think he would say this to most people who like, hey, I really appreciate your work. I love your game and I'm really happy you made it. But he told me personally, and I'm sure he says to everybody, he's like, you're my favorite type of fan. And I was like, that it makes me feel good. You know, um, I also got to go to a couch panel. None of you know what couch is. 
if you like chaos and hilarity, go to YouTube and type in Couch Up. It's insane. Uh, they had a panel. Um, you got to meet the cast. They showed us some stuff that hasn't come out on YouTube yet, which is now out at this point. Um, we also, they were celebrating uh, one of the people's um, first time, let's just call it their PAX virginity. They've never been to PAX before. His name's Asher. So instead of just throwing him a normal panel, they threw him a quinceanera where he came out in a dress, like a full on like dress, tiara, silk gloves. It was so funny. Um, they broke pinatas. The funniest thing that happened uh, that was they had a group of three people randomly selected from the audience, like friend group, brought them up to the stage. He took on a three pound gummy worm, slammed it on the table next to the mic so you could hear how heavy it was and goes, we're halfway through this panel. If you can finish this, we'll give you prizes. <laughs> Um, another really cool thing they did is they asked for the smallest audience member they could find. This girl was like, f- like four eleven, and they gave her, um, they made her eat scorpions with Asher, <laughs> like actual scorpions from a can. Um, and when she completed doing that and almost throwing up, they gave her a brand new shirt that hasn't even been released yet. And none of the people from the couch up team has even worn yet. So she has a very unique item that no one's seen. That's really cool. I like how couch up does that. Like they connected with people so well, except for Alex. He's always, he's just a jerk. <laughs> he's, he's just, I love Alex. He's just a scatterbrain. Oh, was really cool. I got to take a picture with Brett, which I should post on the Instagram. He, for me, I think Brett's like one of my been growing to be one of my favorite people on the show. Um, just cause he always wears a shirt that says I'm dying inside and that just cracks me up. I gotta say one thing that I'm pretty jealous about was I, I really didn't get to play that that 3D virtual reality jousting game. Oh my god. So real quick, this is really important. Uh me and my buddy DJ were just super hyped up about this game. We played it on Friday. It's a VR jousting game. They had a whole setup where they put you on fake saddles and you put on the VR headset. So the mechanics of the game are jousting. Right. Play rock, Hold paper, on. scissors, shoot. Let, let me just show, point out here. We were going into Saturday fully planning on playing this game. Super pumped about it. Now imagine the Pax Pox in this scenario. Go ahead, Ben. Explain the rule. Explain the mechanics of said game. This is how the game works. You play rock, paper, scissors, shoot, and take turns picking weapons that vary from like a bow to uh, a flail, a sword, a lance, um, a throwing axe. And um, basically, you get on the horse. You have to move your hand up and down to make the horse move, and you swing with the other hand. But the other mechanic that is super funny and caused a lot of attraction to their, their booth was in order to go faster, you had to scream as loud as you can. Um, there's a video on our Facebook page with me and my buddy DJ played it. Um, me and him are went buck wild. Uh, they loved us. They t- took our picture, put us on Instagram. Um, go check them out. Oh, they have a Kickstarter. There's 11 days left. Help them get backed. Um, you go to facebook.com slash jousting time. Uh, you can also type in jousting time to the Kickstarter. I'll also put it on the, um, the show notes. But that game is absolutely hilarious. And I got my revenge on Saturday. I beat DJ. So for me, that game, the coolest part about it for me as an observer was the commentators that they have, like 
the NPCs in game that are making comments on what's going on in the match. They were absolutely hilarious. Like, no, they, they were ruthless, like absolutely ruthless, making fun of the, the players. Like, oh, you're not yelling, like making jokes about how people are yelling too loud at their horse, things like oh, that. By the way, the horse in game is not a horse. It's a rocking horse, which makes it even funnier. That's actually wicked funny. I did not <laughs> notice that. Yeah, I definitely like to give them a shout out because I will definitely that game would make a hell of a party game. That that game just for a party game alone, even if you only used it for one party, would be more than worth the buy because it was absolutely hysterical. Yeah, that's a game where like I really hope to see the Kickstarter get backed because um they were really they were really, really engaging. They were really cool people. It's you can tell that they've put so much work into it. And not only that, but it's a very unique game. I haven't seen like a lot of P, like VR PvP games. And to think about it just being that is kind of cool. So interesting thing, Ryan. Uh me and DJ actually talked to the developers for like a good solid, like probably 45 minutes because they were just generally really nice people. Um, by the way, the company's called Trebuchet. I forgot to mention that. Um, but they they said that if they're back, Kickstarter doesn't get backed, that they would try to make it into a thing you could rent. Like you'd rent out the rig and you'd be able to like put it at a party or something. And a bunch of drunk people just jousting is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. I like, like I said, I hope that it's one of those things oh, where they perfect. get the backing because I've talked to a lot of game developers um i'm not going to sit here and say every game developer is a snob but when you're at pax they're talking to so many people that it's hard for somebody like to personally connect with you it's hard to see the passion that somebody has for the game that they're creating and they did a really good job of that they were taking pictures of people um stuff like that and i think that it's one of those things where when you have when you make that connection with somebody, it makes you kind of enjoy the product a little bit more because you know that this is somebody's like labor of love. It's not just some AAA game, which I know I say just a AAA game, but you know you might never meet one of those people. There could be a five hundred people in a studio. You'll never once cross their path. So it's really cool to see a game developer out there by themselves doing the best that they can. So why don't we talk about? um the game that there wasn't really a demo for us to play but there is a possibility for us to do um an interview with them at some point in the future which game would that be that'd be bound by mhm i thought you were going to say that so bound by is supposed to be this tactical um game the artwork is just absolutely like this is the reason why I even walked to the, the booth in the first place is Zach comes grab me because I'm drooling over at the Shovel Knight booth um, and he drags me over here and shows me the artwork. And I was like, just absolutely blown away. Um, we got a really cool business card from them. We also got uh, the card with a QR code that has the website on it. Uh, you can go to boundbytactics.com to check out the work that they're doing right now. It's not in beta. I don't even know if it's in alpha yet. It might be pre-alpha. Um, but you got to go to the website and check out the artwork. It's just crazy cool. We also 
uh, checked out a game called Mage Quit that Zach again dragged me to. Listen, I only dragged you to two things, and they were both really good. So I, before we, it was just funny because I'm like drooling over Bound by, and you're like, "Oh, did you see this one?" And you just ripped me over there. <laughs> yeah. So I want to just um, before we move away from Bound by, what drew me in was the art style. It was really, really incredible. Um, it had like a darker tone to it, but also I really like how they're trying to take the, you know, the turn-based RPG and they're adding a little twist on it. They wouldn't really tell us all the details because they're still in pre-alpha, but like getting to meet the artist, talking to them, like you can tell that this game is probably going to be a really, really well-made game. And I'm looking forward to the progress that they're going to be making over the next couple months. And hopefully we do get that interview and we can talk to them about, you know, creating a game. I know this is something that at one point, Ben, you were interested in this industry. So it would be kind of maybe cool for us to get them in here one of these days. That would be But cool. Mage quit. One thing I do want to... Well, hold on. I just want to, because I, I just remembered something. The one, th- the one picture that captivated me the most about the demo artwork they had, they said they showed us uh, there was a picture that they had that was an in-game picture uh, screenshot. The artwork was so well done that they had this like in a three D game. You have a perspective where like you can tell that the tree is closer without like the use of um, like light and colors changing with the hue and saturation. The way they, it was almost like they drew it, it's 2D, but it looked 3D in the perspective that it was drawn, and it was just crazy. I like, I thought it was a 3D render. Uh, yep, that's really cool. And that's like one of the things I appreciated about their art was like the depth to something that was only meant to be looked at at a flat perspective. Um, Similar to like how League of Legends is a Flash game that's actually flat. But when you look at it, it has depth and character and like level changes on it even. Um, it's really, really good to see indie developers coming up and seeing more of them at PAX every year. Less of like the EA booth style booths where like big budget is all they're concerned about. Um, e- like indie game developers put more heart, soul, and personality into their games than any other group. And that's why I really enjoy talking with them and seeing what they have to offer. But now we can do it. Mage quit. My description for mage quit is chaos, mages, arenas, spells, and lava. Yeah, so the actual point of the game is it's a it, almost like a battle royale, but there's two teams in some of the modes where you pretty much are... It's a wizard brawling like arena style game where like up to 10 people, they use spells and the spells are all different physics stuff as well as a few other things. And they basically try to like blow them up. And there's a, they're given, you're given a staff with a glowing D20 on it and you get like unique abilities every time you get a kill. And this is a quote from their website with every kill, your neck beard and fame grow. Will you end up as Merlin or forever be cursed with peach fuzz? Every time you get a kill, your beard gets longer. <laughs> I didn't even know that. It's amazing. Dude. <laughs> so if you walk into an arena and this person has a huge beard, you best be watching yourself. Watch out. It's the team of neckbeards. Run. 
<clears throat> I mean, see, I also actually just a, a little mention. Um, a while back, I bought a game for the Switch called Wolverblade. They were representing themselves at PAX, and they were giving stuff out to people who had already bought the game or, like, you know, at some point had played it. And I was really surprised to see how many people were lining up to play it. Uh, I've yet to meet a person who has played Wolverblade or really given it a try. So if anyone listening to this has played Wolverblade or wants to play some, let your boy know we can go through and hack and slash through those Roman bastards. I'm down. Always in. So there's two games I want to talk about since we're on the indie game kick right now i want to talk about the indie game and then i want to talk about detroit become human because we talked about it in our e3 episode um black future 88 is a pixel art side scrolling roguelike uh the basically it's a you climb a procedural tower in an ultimate version of 1988 uh to kill its insane owner uh, you play through a new take on a retro cyberpunk dystopia spread across six zones. You have 18 minutes to beat the whole game. And that's where the roguelike part comes in. Um, it's kind of- I accidentally muted myself. It's kind of like Binding of Isaac, where you every level is different. Everything's randomly um, generated. Um, the really unique thing is time is your resource in this game. Time can be used on the best weapon in the game, which uses time as your ammo or certain rooms will slow down time. Certain rooms will give you time and certain rooms will stop time. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, as a person who loves cyberpunk, I was instantly attracted to the artwork um, and I got a chance to play the demo and it's very smooth, which is the thing that I liked about it the most. I mean, roguelikes are really, really fun, but Nothing is worse than playing a game where a weird visual glitch gets you killed and I have to start all over. And those are like the minor things that you don't really think you care about until you're actually involved in playing the game. Um, after Ben had mentioned this to me, I, I looked at their website a little bit. The game looks really incredible. And the thing about roguelikes is in every roguelike, life is your one resource. It's the You only get one. And it's one of those things where like you constantly just don't worry about taking hits or getting through it the fastest way. But with this game, it really changes the idea because using time as a resource is something that a lot of games don't do unless it's, you know, be here by this amount of time, get all the checkpoints in X seconds. So to have time be a mechanic that matters not only in the way that you have to get through the game in the amount of time, but that you can use time as your bullets. I mean, that's that's just one of the coolest concepts I've heard recently. Um, you can actually apply for the demo right now uh, on blackfuture88.com. And uh, the last game I want to talk dun, about dun, dun. Um, was a game I was really excited for when I started at E3. It's made by the guys who made Heavy Rain. It's called Detroit Becoming Human. The demo was incredible um you're playing as one of the main character the main characters his name's connor and he is an android and the setting of this game is androids are made to do menial tasks and there's getting to this point where there's like this android right activist type thing going on and 
you come up on a crime scene where an android has kind of went crazy and killed the father of the family and kidnapped the daughter and the wife is the one that called the cops you were sent there to negotiate with this android and the first thing that like you get from the feeling of this game is you walk up to the captain of the cops and he basically flips out at you and is like you better not get them killed you stupid fucking android blah 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 um so you can already tell that the android thing's very it's 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 sensitive um the really cool part about the game is the mechanics so you walk around the room and as this character you can scan the environment and you are looking for clues to help you with your negotiation and there's a percentage bar that goes up and down depending on what clues you find and what you miss the really cool thing is there are some spots when you investigate it you can scan it and reconstruct in a vr 3d environment what happened there's one where like a dude gets shot a cop and you can see the projectile of the bullet you can like rewind and fast forward time to find a clue so like almost how when when viewing a crime scene like a police officer will try to imagine the events that led up to that moment to better understand who they're going against. Or yeah. He'll for. use, he'll use basically instead of having an intuition, he uses math to um, basically recreate what happened. And you see like these wireframe 3d models of the characters and it helps you find clues. Um, the thing that was really cool, and this is the one thing that Heavy Rain was like known for, is multiple multiple possibilities and endings always changing how the story goes forward. There were four different endings for just the demo, and I'm just I, I don't know how to describe it, but like the graphics, the storytelling, um, the intensity of some of the scenes were like really uncomfortable, just because of like you almost feel like you're in the androids like position, even though he doesn't really feel because he's programmed to do this. Um, but it was just really interesting to see how my buddy DJ played it and I played it and we both had vastly different endings. I like that too, because it kind of plays into the, like the idea of transhumanity a little bit where you're playing this Android, but obviously as a player, you know, you're a human being you have feelings and opinions and thoughts and emotions. And now you're playing it through this almost surrogate of made of metal, who in this world is considered to have no feelings. And like, honestly, like they don't get treated very well. They almost get treated like slaves. The very, very last thing I want to talk about PAX was probably the most interesting panel I've been to at PAX ever. Um, it was about League of Legends, and it took. Uh, do you remember that guy's name? the 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 show the uh, commentator. Yeah, um, chat. No, not chat. Rivington. Yeah, Rivington. Uh, I, I unfortunately I didn't write this stuff down, so like I'm trying to do it from memory. It was two jungle position players that are pros, a coach and uh, a manager, and they talked. They basically talked about like what it takes to become a pro and also the effects it has on their life and how it changed. We got a really interesting deep look into um, their thoughts on what gaming houses do. They both agree that gaming houses are not the best option, but a lot of the teams target young adults, like 18 years old, just coming out of high school, have nowhere to go. So going to a gaming house is really good. It like you have all the necessities built for you. But the problem with that is you 
aren't learning how to live on your own. Um, they also talk about like their relationships, like girlfriends, boyfriends, and it, it, it was really interesting. Yeah. And I know like, well, Ryan at one point um, had actually been in that scenario where he was living in a gaming house. Um, and I, I vaguely remember him telling me, you know, he had a job and stuff, but that's before it became this crazy profession where you have to be super professional. Now you have to practice for 16 hours a day and all this stuff. Um, whereas, you know, back then I'm sure that it was pretty hard for people to even get together and play those games, let alone now be living in the same house. Oh man, I, that's, that's a whole episode all on its own. I could go into that for hours. Mm. I mean, oh, do I hear extra content in the future? Yeah. That kind of stuff. Wow. I mean, gaming, like any kind of esport, all that kind of stuff has evolved so much since when I was doing it that it's it's like a dream come true, but it's also kind of bittersweet in the fact that now it's kind of past my time when I was there. So it's amazing to see where it's come, but God, I wish I could still sit down and and crash it out with some of these some of these e pros, you know what I mean? That's just thrive on competition i mean it's good times we talked about we talked about nostalgia today on our facebook and like once again if yeah well if you haven't checked out that conversation you definitely should but like when you see stuff like that ryan um you know what do you like how do, how do you feel about it nowadays comparatively how, to how it was for you in general, esports, gaming houses, or which part? I mean, it's the whole. I mean, just thing. just like the nostalgia, the nostalgia of the gaming and stuff like that. The gaming, like, right, nostalgia you know, of the gaming how, industry. How did, you, like, did you come out of it with, for the better? Or oh, what? I mean, I have some. Of, I met some of my best friends through through gaming and from online and from you know meeting up for a competitive play. I mean, one of my best friends to this date, my friend, uh, my friend Mike, and. At one point, we we shared a house together. We we went out every weekend chilling. I mean, one of my best friends still to this day, and I met him through StarCraft. Um, at the time, we were on a team when we were really young, and I was probably about what was 15. your handle at that point? Oh God, um, he was the the team was BG. I can't even tell you what it stood for, and he was wretched. And I think mine at the time, I think was actually, ironically, I think center, which is what I got from at the time, again, my favorite anime, which was uh, Chrono Crusade. So uh, we, we played together and we were on a team together. We started talking and I found out that he lived one town over and we were cracking up about it. And then the team ended up breaking apart and we didn't see each other skip forward three years we end up on a different team and we start talking a little bit and i said wait is your name mike he goes yeah i said from quincy he's like yeah i'm like dude it's me it's right that's what it's funny and that that weekend we ended up uh we ended up meeting up at randolph theaters to go hang out and all meet each other him myself and another friend of ours mark at the time who was in a Mark, I don't know if anybody, you know, StarCraft listening to the podcast, but Mark Go, Team Go, 
on East. And I met a, I met a lot of amazing people from from online play and from meeting people in games. And I think it's a great it's a great place to meet anybody. Really, it's a common interest. So I mean, everybody's there for the same reason, and you meet a lot of cool personalities. So speaking of games, um, I know Ben has to get to D and D in a little while, which I'm playing Shadowrun. Oh, is it? That's awesome. Uh, but that actually reminded me. I want to talk very quickly about the one thing that Ben and I bought at PAX, which was we bought a small rule book for a game called Ten Candles. Shout out to Stephen Dewey. Stephen Dewey is the man. I have his business card in front of me. It has a board game written on it. And it has like a small game you can play with your friends, which is a pen and a piece of paper. And that's like on his business card. This guy's amazing. He talked to us about... 10 Candles, the inspiration behind it. Uh, it's a tragic horror, so you will die, but you play the game to the light of 10 small tea candles. So as the game gets goes on and on, becomes harder, as you're snuffing candles out, it becomes more intense. Um, it was a really, really good experience. We ended up getting to play it last weekend, and Ben ran the game. It was a lot of fun. We played with our buddy Sean. Um, who you guys might know as the heavy metal GM. And it was just a good experience to play something different that I haven't played in a while. Um, also, like, I've been dying to play 10 Candles, and it didn't disappoint. I gotta say, uh, one of the best things for me for that game was um, your, we had a buddy come over that's never played a D&D game in his entire life. And I was kind of worried that like, cause it's a really strange game to play for a first timer. And, um, I kind of was really happy to get feedback saying that he had a really good time. Cause all I want in this, uh, community is for people to have fun and for people to, you know, try our nerdy stuff that we like out. And it was good to see someone enjoy that. Yeah. And I, I don't want to, take away too much of the fun of the game because it's one of those games where like experiencing it is really where you get the best um, vibe and emotion out of it. Um, But definitely check it out because it is a really good game and it's a good system and it's good to play once in a while. Uh, I'd recommend playing it at night though. I think waiting that extra hour to play late was really worth it. I mean, I don't know what else happened at PAX other than that like I kind of I mean Ryan almost died I mean yeah he well he was True. dead he it was slept cool. I did I did get to witness the the first Fortnite win of somebody at the at the gaming table like they had a whole setup going like even PUBG yeah basically he was the first PAX person to win a game of Fortnite with like yeah, random people with live with like random people from cool. the world like it wasn't an all PAX thing um, another quick little detail I want to mention before I take us out of here was they had a hundred computers set up, set up for PUBG, which was really incredible to see. Um, the board game and tabletop section was a little bit more condensed this year, less than I've seen in the past, but more demos going on. And I think that that was really well done. PAX itself for me this year was like, PAX is a weird con for me. I usually don't always have a good time. It's just, it's too much waiting in line and like, I'm not always interested in everything that's there because I can be kind of like a picky person sometimes, but I will say that it was the best year I've had at PAX. 
Um, the people were great. They were engaging. You know, we had a good time just as our, our, our friend group. Um, going in there with a slightly business mindset made it a lot different for us and I think is what forced us to talk up to people and learn about these products. Um, and with that, like, I'd say that I'd, next year I will be going to your packs. I will be going multiple days next year so I can try and get through some things without feeling like I'm rushing around. So, and Ryan will be there next year and he'll not be sick. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I'm not making any promises, but I'm definitely hoping and praying along with you all that I am not sick <laughs> for that event. I would really like to actually get to go around and see some of these really cool things because I love games. I just want to say this is probably going to be our longest podcast episode ever. We're already at an hour and 30 minutes. Um, it'll probably be shortened because of the editing, but like, I think it's pretty cool <laughs> that we've gone this long. Yeah, I mean, not only that, but oh, man, you kidding me? Well, we could keep going. We that's got the hours. Thing, like we always, right our now. episodes are always longer before that's we edit the them. But um, I gotta take us out of here because I know you gotta get to Shadowrun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to give a big shout out and a big thanks to High Level Games for everything that they do for us. Um, you know, they're helping us get our names out here and talk to you guys. And they're picking up momentum and they have a lot of good content that's out there. But the one thing I really want to focus on is High Level Games Con is coming up. It's October 12th to 14th of this year. Um, it is in Atlantic City. It's the showboat Atlantic City uh, on the board, on Boardwalk Ave. And registration has already opened up. It opened up in fe- February. There's going to be a lot of tabletop and RPG opportunities uh, I know they've gotten some vendors from a lot of different LARPs, so you can check out different games from all over the country. The hotels right now for the con actually happen to be pretty cheap. They're about $80 a night. I can tell you from spending a weekend at Anime Boston that that is already about five or $600 cheaper than it is to stay in a place like Boston. Uh, so that's something to consider. Also, there's going to be a special session of Dread being run. And one of our guests, who I'm allowed to spoil and tell you guys about sean patrick fannin uh you may know him from fantasy flight star wars tabletop rpgs that's not the only project that he's worked on however that's one that i recognize him from and have experience with um as a guest there you know being able to connect with somebody like that in the industry will be really interesting and also we may have heard rumors that you can drink and play games with our VP Quinn who will accept the challenge from anybody, but you better be ready for some games, some really good conversations and some fun experiences. We hope to see you guys there. Um, We're going to try and be there. We're not sure if we're going to be able to do that yet with everything that we have going on, but hopefully, you know, you see us at a live show or something. We'll see. So with that, I'm going to take us out of here. After surviving the Pax Pox and the abundance of the Naruto and Bleach cosplays, we've made it. We're not too depressed from all this post-con shenanigans. But we'll definitely see you guys next time. High-level games theme music is provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. 